Today we are looking at the 130th Psalm, Psalm 130. If you're following in the Pew Bible, it's page 545, so page 545 in the Pew Bible, the 130th Psalm. If you're using a digital Bible, we are in the CSB translation. My impatience, I think, is somewhat legendary. I am awfully impatient, and really, it's about waiting in lines. This is the thing that I see a line, and, uh, and it just gives me a tick, you know? I go, oh, no, oh, no, I can't, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not willing to. Uh, poor Meredith has to suffer with me on this one, because I love eating Chick-fil-A. Chick-fil-A is delicious and delightful, but sometimes I, I pull in, and I know how fast that line is. I know they're amazing at getting everyone through it. But I've got like an allergy to lines. Uh, I'm too impatient about it. And so immediately I'll just go straight across the street to the taco truck. And uh, <laughs> what's up? little plug there also for the taco truck. But I mean, even when we're on vacation, going to the beach, I love going to the beach with my family because I love just sitting on the beach Playing with the kids in the sand, playing with the kids in the ocean, going up for a snack, playing in the sand, sitting in the chair. You know, it's just the best way to do vacation. But if anybody has the idea that we ought to go out to dinner and wait in line at some kind of novelty restaurant or go to an amusement park, my tick comes back. Why do you want to go to the beach to wait in line? What's, I don't understand. This is why we have not made it to Disneyland as a family yet. Orlando in the summer? Yeah, Jim Gaffigan said, it's like standing in line on the surface of the sun. No thank you. <laughs> I mean, maybe somebody here today, maybe you really like lines. You know, maybe you get excited about it. Maybe, maybe you're here today thinking, you know what I can't wait for? A lunch line after this. I hope it's long. We're going to have a good conversation while we're waiting in line. Y'all, it's going to be good. Perhaps some of you guys are thinking, you know what I like to do on a Sunday afternoon is go to the grocery store where there's a lot, that's the best time to go is when everybody is there on a Sunday afternoon because I love lines. Perhaps you think, you know when the best time to drive through Aiken is? Right at 4.30 p.m. That's when I really want to be on the road, on Whiskey Road. I'm not a big fan of waiting. None of us are. None of us are looking for a good opportunity to just wait, Right? And yet today, I'm here to proclaim to you from this psalm that waiting on the Lord is an inherent part of the Christian life. And as a man who hates waiting, I'm also going to tell you today about all of the joy and blessing there is in waiting on the Lord. We're going to read this psalm, and then three questions we're going to answer today. What is waiting on the Lord? What does it mean to wait on the Lord? What are you supposed to do while you're waiting on the Lord? And finally, what if what you're waiting on never comes? Let's pray together and let's read Scripture. Father God, I thank you that you have given us your word. I thank you that you speak clearly to us today. We pray that we would hear it and believe and obey. This I pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. The 130th Psalm. Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and I put my hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord. There is faithful love with the Lord. With Him is redemption in abundance. And He will redeem Israel from all of its iniquities. This is the word of the Lord for us today. The psalmist cries out to the Lord. He says, I'm, I'm in the depths. I think you know what this means already, yes? You know what it's like to feel like you're just at the very bottom, in the depths, rock bottom perhaps. Perhaps you stop and look around and you try to think about how things could be a little bit worse in life and you can't come up with anything else. He says, I cry out to you from the depths, Lord. Please listen to my voice and be attentive to my cry. But then, at the hardest moment and from the depths, the psalmist says, Lord, if you kept an account of iniquities, who would stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. From the very worst moments in this person's life, there is faith. Even in the hardest, most difficult times, on the darkest days, this person knows that with the Lord, there is forgiveness. And so, what else is there to do for this person? I'll wait on the Lord. That's it. Present difficulties in life the knowledge that there's forgiveness with God. And so what do you do if you have the knowledge of the promises of God and present difficulties in your life? What else is there to do but to wait on the Lord to fulfill His promises? And where will you put your hope while you wait on the Lord? Verse 5, I put my hope in His Word. We have the very Word of God. If you were curious how far away God was today or how near God is to you, God has spoken directly to you, and we have it in front of us. We've read it, and we'll continue to read it, the very Word of God in which we can put our hope. So the psalmist declares again, I will wait for the Lord. Even more than a watchman waits for the morning. You can both think about a watchman hoping that the long, dark night will be over soon, and there will be safety and security when the sun rises and all is made visible again. But perhaps this has been you and your life as well, waking up in a difficult time, unable to sleep, and simply sitting and waiting and watching as the sun rises. And we remember 
that Christ keeps His promises and comes right on time every time. Finally, the psalmist turns to the rest of Israel, having sung about their despair, having sung about the difficulties, but the hope in God and waiting on the Lord in the midst of difficulties. The psalm writer looks around and says, hey, all the rest of you, hey, Israel, hey, Talatha, put your hope in the Lord because there is faithful love with the Lord. Not a love that's bright and smiley one day and gone another day, but a love that is every day, a faithful love, a love that shows up always and on time. With Him, there is redemption, and redemption in abundance, both for all of us and everything that you've done. Abundance. And then here's the declaration. He will redeem Israel from all of its sins, from all of its iniquities. This is a promise of the Lord. All right, so what is waiting on the Lord? Our first question today. Waiting on the Lord is trusting Him even when you are scared. Waiting on the Lord means trusting Him even when you're afraid. We are all scared sometimes. Courage doesn't mean not being scared. Courage means being scared but trusting Him anyway in the midst of our fear. As a counterexample, we have King Saul. One day, King Saul was to lead Israel out against the Philistines in battle. And the Philistines were great in number and surrounded the Israelites. And the Israelites were meager, but they had the power of the Lord with them. So who's going to win this? Who's going to win it? Great in number or small in number, but the power of the Lord. Yeah, you already know. But before the battle begins, Saul has to wait on the Lord. And what he has to wait on very specifically is the prophet of God, Samuel, is supposed to come and make the sacrifices of God to God, make the sacrifices of animals to God. Very literally, Saul is supposed to wait on the Lord and Saul is scared. He just looks around and sees all these enemy soldiers. And Saul is scared, and Saul is looking at his watch, and Saul is waiting and waiting, and then Saul, out of fear, no longer waits on the Lord. He says, just, just give me the tools, and he sacrifices the animals himself. And as soon as he does, Samuel appears and says, Saul, what have you done? Don't you understand the test? Do you trust the Lord or are you scared? Which is it going to be? And Saul fails the test on this point. Waiting on the Lord means trusting Him even when we're scared. Waiting on the Lord means refraining from worrying and panicking in our lives. Have you ever been worried and panicked and not known what to do? In situations of great stress, people do crazy stuff, you know. People don't know how to respond when there's a car accident. They come up on the scene and figure they have to move the people out of there when they're not supposed to move anybody. People come up panicking and don't know what to do but want to do something. To wait on the Lord in our lives means refraining from worry or panic. You can tell it especially on a child's face. When they're scared, 
they will flip out and worry and panic and not know what's happening over even the smallest thing. It would be a shame for us if our faith looked like that. And when the smallest changes happen in our lives, the smallest bit of suffering come our way, we suddenly flip out and lose our confidence in God and fall to pieces like a child. There are many ways in which our faith is to be childlike. That's not one of them. In this way, have a mature faith. What is it to wait on the Lord? It means refraining from worrying or panicking. To wait on the Lord means to obey Him even when disobeying Him looks like the path towards happiness for you. Waiting on the Lord means you choose to obey Him even when not obeying Him looks like the happy path in life for you. We have had over time many friends who, Meredith and I, that is, we've had many friends, uh, having grown up in high school and college and all this time, um, who, you know, were just waiting on the right spouse for marriage, just waiting on the right person to come. And, and tragically, I, like you, I've had plenty of friends who just didn't wait on the right person, but said, nah, this will be all right, we'll make this work. We can, we can shrug off the didn't wait on a believer didn't wait on a faithful follower of Christ to get into a covenant with, into marriage, but just kind of settled or married somebody who wasn't the right fit. And it doesn't end well. You know this story too, don't you? But I've also seen people who have waited on the Lord no matter what. We have a good friend that we're very proud of. Her name's Autumn, uh, and now Autumn Pride. Who uh, she went up through college with us, the same age as us. Uh, wanted the same thing. Everybody who goes to a good little Christian Bible college wants just a good spouse. But she graduated without one. You know, Meredith and I, our, our wedding was in weeks here. We were the middle week of five weeks of weddings that I was in, right? Because we went to a good small little Christian college, and so I stood in a friend's wedding. They went off on honeymoon, came back, stood in a friend's wedding. My wedding, we went off to honeymoon, came back, stood in a friend's wedding, stood in a friend's wedding. But one of them was not hers, was not Autumn. It just didn't work out for her then. And then she had an opportunity in the two years after college with which she could have, you know, had a relationship with this guy or that guy. She could have gotten married. But they weren't the right guys, and she knew it. And so even though it hurt her a great deal, she waited on the Lord. She was eventually able to marry a good man and have children as she just had her second child, again, our age, but just was able to have her second child. And God bless her and him and those kids. Because even though it was difficult and it didn't look like the life that she wanted, she waited on the Lord and she waited on the Lord. She obeyed him even when it looked like disobeying might be the path to happiness. To wait on the Lord means for you and I that we will choose to obey Him even when disobeying Him looks like it's the path to quick happiness. We are not in pursuit of quick happiness, but we hope in the Lord, and so we will wait on the Lord, and we will obey Him the whole way. Finally, what does it mean to wait on the Lord? It means longing for Christ's return. We 
are not sitting around awaiting death. We are waiting on life. We are waiting on the resurrection of death, uh, the resurrection of the dead. We are waiting on the return of Jesus Christ our Lord. We Christians, we don't think life just keeps spinning on, that the world just keeps going and going, and that's the end of it. We're not having a good life, doing as best we can, and then one day you die, just sitting around waiting on death. We're waiting on the return of Christ. Amen. We're longing for a day when there is no more sin. We're longing for a day when those who died in Christ are resurrected and we are reunited with them. We're longing for a day when death dies. We believe as Jesus Christ rose, so He has promised that He will return and bring resurrection for all those who are in Christ Jesus. We are waiting on a day when there's no more death at all, and there's no more sin at all, and so there are no more tears at all. What does it mean to wait on the Lord but to long for the return of Christ? We have even now today members of our congregation who are not doing well, who sure don't seem long for this life. If you haven't gotten a chance to visit with Dixie Harmon, uh, Dixie's not doing well. By all means, go check on her. She'd love to see you. One of our members, Ann Malden, is right now in the hospital. Ann's gone through cancer and cancer and cancer and beat it several times and currently is dealing with it, but took a hard fall this past week, and so now she's got a lot of broken bones and cancer and uh, is over in the hospital. She's not doing well, but I tell you, Christians, though we know that death comes for all of us and we all have a day appointed to die, yet our hope is in the return of Jesus Christ, our Lord that we will either see His return on this side of the grave or we will see His return on the other side. But one way or another, Christ will return and the dead in Christ will rise. You know, waiting on the Lord, it means an acknowledgement that things are not okay. We all Christians have to say it's not okay. The world's not all right as it is, and things in my life are not okay all the time. If we're waiting on the if you have everything that you're going to get from Christ, then you don't have anything to hope for. There's no hope if there's, you've received everything. But rather, because we have such a great coming hope in the return of Jesus Christ, we live, we wait on the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. We live and we wait and we long for the return of Christ. So, Next question, what do you do while you're waiting on the Lord? First, remember the promises of God. That's what the psalmist does here. Psalmist in the depths cries out to God and says, Lord, hear me, Lord, heal, Lord, save. But then right in the middle of it says, if you kept track of sins, who would stand? But you know what? I know there's forgiveness with you. In the middle of the hardest times, the psalmist says, I know the promises of God, and I know they are still true. So what do you do while you're waiting on the Lord? Remember the promises of God. The Lord has promised good to you, and so good you will have. What do we do while we wait on the Lord? Well, we don't worry about whether you're feeling it or not. One of our good friends and fellow members uh, has said to me, you know, the Bible says we live by faith and not by sight. Well, this friend of ours added, 
we also, we live by faith and not by feel. When you wait on the Lord, you're not going to worry about how you feel, whether you feel like the Lord is near or not. You're going to live by the promises of God. There are days when we're not going to be feeling it. You don't go about waiting until the day comes when you start feeling it again. If your entire faith is, I need to get pepped up real quick. I need to go find somewhere where I can start feeling it better. Then you'll have wasted your time waiting on the Lord. While we wait on the Lord, we don't have to worry about whether we're feeling it or not or wait till we're feeling it or not. I wasn't feeling particularly close to God this week. This happens to all of us sometimes. Yes, you know this. So one of those weeks, I had a sinus infection. I was down with it. I was feeling a little tired and grumpy about it all week long. And, and sure enough, you know, I missed some days of reading Scripture, which wasn't particularly near to the Lord. I wasn't feeling close to God, but I read this psalm, and I believed it. And I was reminded I don't have to wait until I'm feeling better to trust Christ, to believe His promises, to proclaim that Jesus Christ is good and He is Lord. There's no need to wait on feeling good, and there's no need to uh, wait at all in that regard, but to trust Him and follow Him. The next thing to do while you're waiting is this, grow in obedience to the Lord. Also, have regard for the patience of God. This is going to take us someplace else in Scripture. I'm just going to flip for you. You can stick it out where you are there on Psalm 130, but over here in 2 Peter chapter 3, at the very end of the second letter that Peter writes, last letter we have from Peter, he says, Jesus is coming. We're rejoicing at that hope. We know he's going to set everything right. And verse 14, but therefore, friends, while you wait for these things, make every effort to be found without spot or blemish in his sight. Be at peace. Also, Regard the patience of our Lord as salvation. What an interesting thing. When we're suffering and we're waiting on the Lord, we can tend to get focused on our own condition and what we're doing and our own perspective and what's happening in our life and fail to recognize that the one who is being patient is really God Himself, who is by all means ready to bring about the restoration of all things, but is patiently waiting on you. He is the one who is being patient, waiting on those who are lost to put their trust in Him. He is the one who wants to restore everything and will restore everything. And we are to regard the patience of God as salvation, both for us and for them. While you wait on the Lord, remember that it is the Lord who is waiting patiently, giving another opportunity today for you to put your trust in Christ, turn away from your sins, and follow after Him. The Lord has been patient to us. Amen. Let us have regard for the patience of the Lord. What are we to do while we wait? Be on your guard. We live in a dangerous world. We live surrounded by temptation. Be on your guard. What are you to do while you wait? Grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. Peter finishes this way. Therefore, dear friends, since you know these things in advance, that is that Christ is returning, be on your guard so that you are not led away by the error of lawless people and you fall from your own stable position. But rather, 
grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. This is the way Paul, uh, Peter concludes his second letter. And the last thing that we do while we wait on the Lord comes from our very Psalm 130. What does the psalmist do while he's waiting on the Lord? He worships the Lord. He writes a song. That's what this psalm is. He hopes, he trusts in the word of the Lord, and he turns his attention to everybody around him and says, hey, all y'all, put your hope in the Lord because there is faithful love in the Lord. What do we do while we wait on the Lord? Let us proclaim to everyone around us that Jesus Christ is worth waiting for. Let us proclaim to all that Jesus Christ will fulfill every promise he has said. That those who hope in the Lord renew their strength now. That there is a great salvation and hope in Jesus Christ for everyone and anyone who comes to him. If you're waiting to tell somebody that until the times get a little bit better, you'll never do it. While we wait on the Lord, let us be fruitful. Today is the day to invite your neighbor. Today is the day to write that card to somebody who you need to write to. Today is the day to make the phone call that you need to make. Today is the day to reach out and proclaim, just like this psalm, Hey, everyone around me, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love in the Lord, and with Him there is redemption in abundance, he says. Finally, What if what you're waiting for never comes? What if you were my friend Autumn and there never was the right opportunity? There never was marriage. What if you are waiting for healing right now from the Lord and healing does not come? What if you're waiting for stability in life where there is no financial stability, no living stability in your life? What if you're waiting for stability and stability never comes. This past Wednesday night, as we're going through in our Bible study, uh, the book of Mark, the gospel of Mark, we read Mark chapter 5 together, in which you see the Gerasene demoniac. It's a wild title for a person, yes? This man, in Mark chapter 5, Jesus goes across from Israel, from that promised land, he crosses the sea, and he goes over to a pagan land, and there's a man who's possessed with all kinds of demons. Jesus asks him, he says, what's your name? He asks the demon, and the demon says, legion, because we're many. When Jesus kicks the demon out of the man, uh, so many are the demons that they take on a herd of swine, as much as 2,000 pigs. It's a lot of demons. This man is possessed and in a bad place. And what's fascinating is we read through Mark chapter 5, both that story and then the story of the woman who is healed from her bleeding condition and Jairus, the Pharisee, who has his daughter raised by Jesus Christ. In this, everybody is begging something of Christ, and everybody gets what they're begging for. It's fascinating. The demons beg Christ. The demons say, don't send us to torment, send us to the pigs. The demons beg is the word Scripture used, and Jesus says, okay. He gives them what they beg for. Then the townspeople, the pigs all run into the sea and die, and the townspeople beg Jesus. What do the townspeople beg Jesus of? They say, please leave. Go away. This is too much for us. We don't know what to do with this. I think 
if they have their opportunity to beg and Jesus is answering yes, they should have asked for more pigs. But, you know, <laughs> beside the point. I don't know what to do with it. Let's not blame them. What do you do with this? It's wild. And they say, please go away. What does Jesus do? I mean, he does. In the next passage, Jairus, the Pharisee, whose daughter is dying, this wealthy man comes and begs Jesus, come and heal my daughter. Everybody begs Jesus of something, and they all get what they want, except one person. There's one person in the chapter that's mentioned as begging Jesus, and the answer is no. You know who it is? It's the demon-possessed man himself, who having been healed, this man now healed after long possession by all kinds of demons, begs Jesus, let me go with you. Let me follow you. And Jesus says, no. Jesus says, no, here's what you're going to do. You're going to stay over here on this side of the sea, and you're going to go around in every town here, and you're going to tell them all what the Lord God of Israel, what Yahweh has done for you. Now, you'd be reading this wrong if what you heard was that this man was not allowed to become a follower of Jesus. You heard this wrong if you heard that Jesus rejected this guy. No, Jesus commissioned him as a preacher, but to go proclaim what Yahweh has done, not yet the name Jesus Christ, not till his resurrection, but you were to know that in Christ's resurrection, this guy, through obedience to Christ, had already primed an entire pagan region for knowing that the God of Israel has regard for people outside of Israel. And then to be able to hear by another preacher of God that Jesus Christ is that God of Israel who has had regard for you. You're not to expect that this man was rejected forever, but that for a time he had to do what he didn't want to do in obedience to Christ. I ask you today, if you're waiting on the Lord and all that you get is the Lord Himself, will that be enough for you? If you're waiting on the Lord and you never get stability in life, but you do get the Holy Spirit in your life, will that be enough for you? If you're waiting on the Lord, but you never get the spouse or the child that you want, but you do get the presence of God every day in your life, will that be enough for you? If you're waiting on the Lord today and He doesn't heal you, but He does forgive your sins, will that be enough for you? Come, friends, let us wait on the Lord and find that he will, in his time, bring about the restoration of all things. And until that day, we will find joy in trusting him, in regarding his own patience and living a fruitful life before Christ, even if we're living it from the very depths of our own lives. Come and let us trust the Lord together. Father God, I thank you that you are not far away. I thank you that if you kept track of our sins, we've all got nothing to stand on. We're all great sinners here. But we know that with you there is forgiveness of sins, and that's why we're here. 
that's by what means we come to you in prayer now as forgiven people because you have said you have forgiven us. We come trusting your word and we come waiting on you and rejoicing in your perfect timing. Jesus, come soon and set right all that is wrong, but until that day, let us be found fruitful in all ways in our lives. This I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.